across our end. And, and I'm absolutely delighted today to be introducing uh, Nolda and Simon. And I'm not going to say much about them because they've got their own intros. Um, but they're now, neither of them are in the UK, which I find really, really exciting. But um, we're trusting that they've got something to offer us over here. Anyway, are you starting off, Nolda? Yes, sir. Excellent. Well, I'm going to hand you over to uh, Nolda, and she's going to tell you what this is all about. Okay, is everybody ready for this? Uh, uh, yay! <laughs> you must be uh, really excited after a talk uh, like Edward Berea. I'm sure you're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and you will definitely need it uh, this afternoon. <laughs> but I hope we can be challenging. So yes, I am uh, Nolda Tipping, uh, I am living now in the north of Holland in the same church as Jan, uh, he's sitting over there, who will support me and give me feedback after the session if it was any good. Um, I'm uh, a mother of three uh, lively kids, nine, seven and five, um, yeah that was me, wow. <laughs> Um, I work for uh, an oil and gas company, after the recording I can tell you which one, <laughs> and um, I'm uh, the head of uh, projects in the Southern North Sea, so in the offshore uh, platforms, which is uh, a challenging job and very exciting, and um, yeah, I really feel that is where God placed me with the purpose, so uh, as we go along this afternoon I'll share some of the stories uh, at work. Um, I'm doing this together with Simon, I will give you a little bit of an anecdote about it, but anyway, I really feel that uh, being a Christian in the workplace is something you have to do together. You'll be much more effective if you do that in a community, uh, preferably find somebody at work who is also a Christian that you can hang out with every now and then, or uh, find a coach or a mentor or just a buddy um, in your church or somewhere in a relational mission who you can uh, discuss stuff with. So I thought, let's just live it. And I asked Simon, come on, let's do this together. Apparently that was not quite allowed, and that was a very Dutch move to take that initiative myself. Uh, so we were told that it was very much my seminar, and not our seminar. So if anybody of the organization asks you how the seminar was, please do mention Nolda was really great, and it was definitely her seminar. <laughs> Simon also did a good job. <laughs> uh, Simon will introduce himself uh, uh, in a little bit. He also has great stories to tell you. But what uh, we are going to be talking about today, and I'm saying we because you're going to get involved, is uh, about living the gospel, uh, being a Christian at the fringes of society. Because I really believe that uh, where we can have the most impact as a Christian is, is where actually the density of Christianity is the lowest. So, um, and I feel very much called to be there where uh, you do not see many Christians, where indeed God can seem distant and where the challenges are the greatest. Sometimes uh, people tell to me, yeah, you have a real, real gifting for talking about God in the workplace. And I think, actually, maybe not. Well, I think I do have a passion for living the gospel at work, but I have a passion for reaching out anywhere where there are just very few Christians. So my husband and I are also very involved with working with refugees. So what we'll be talking about today is for a large extent uh, being a Christian at work, but it's also being a Christian with the poor. Because I think it doesn't really matter whether you are 
spreading the gospel with the ultra-rich or the ultra-poor, both are parts of society that are fairly unreached. Just to make sure that you're absolutely, that this is biblical, I just want to read the Bible text. And this one is from James 2, verse 1 to 4. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And I really believe this show no partiality is something where we as Christians can grow further because it's the far easiest to reach out to the people who are like us. Well, I think we are called to reach out a lot further than that. And then it says, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothes and say, You sit in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over here, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made this distinction amongst yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Well, that, that is pretty strong language. But what I think is good to remember that as Christians we have a very strong call to reach out to the poor and give them dignity. But also this part says you also invite the rich. It doesn't say keep the rich out of your house, keep them out of your church. They are included too. And we need to do both. So I, I am not a church planter in the, in the conventional sense, uh, but I do feel a pioneer and in some way a church planter at work. And I'd like to share uh, a few stories of how I've seen God bless um, my position at work. So um, I remember two years ago I was here at the RM conference and they asked anybody who wants to be a church planter stand up. And both my husband and I, because we like adventure and we've lived in Africa and various places, we felt like, oh, we want to stand up. But we knew it wasn't the right time, so we didn't stand up. But it was still kind of, yeah, itchy inside. Um, we asked some people around us to pray for us if we could move to another place. Uh, but we got quite strong calling to just stay where we were. So then I uh, prayed to God, you know, if we really have to stay, please use me wherever we are. Uh, I thought, you know, I, I, I'm working with uh, a lot of people. There's a lot of money going around uh, in, in the type of projects we do. Uh, the portfolio I oversee is about 200 million euros. It creates a lot of stress. I thought, I've got to be a Christian there. I've got to create uh, a change so that the discussions no longer are toxic, that it becomes a little bit less elbowing your way through the masses. Um, and, and when I prayed that, um, we prayed it together, my husband and I, he prayed it also for his work, it was almost immediately that I saw the change and I was really moved by it. So... Um, a guy approached me at some point and he said, I'd like you to be my mentor. I said, well, why me? He said, well, I don't know. I just felt it has to be you. Okay, I thought, let's do it. So we sat down and I said, well, tell me. Tell me your story. I had no idea what was to come. So he started his story. He said, look, I've got MS. Um, I've just decided I'm not going to commit suicide. And I thought, oh, oh no. He said... I, um, I'm in a long-term fight with my parents, uh, struggling in my marriage. I've got uh, a few, I, I really struggle with my supervisor at work. 
basically, I, I have no idea. He said, I really apologize for what I'm telling you, but he said, I see no light in my life. I have no idea how to continue. And basically, I'm just crying out for help. I knew at this point that the conventional way of mentoring, like you would do at work, like, oh, you need to think about your personal development and uh, your next career step, was totally useless. I, and at this moment, I just, you know, did one second prayer to God. I thought, I'm totally incompetent for this. How can I help this person? Um, and I said, look, I, I cannot help you with business or management theories. That is not going to work in your case. He said, but I have just one thing I can tell you. I said, I'm a Christian, and I just know that there's only one light at the end of your tunnel. Your life is totally pitch black. But I said, there's only one way to get out of this. There's only one light. And I said, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I believe that no matter how dark your life is, He can see you through this, and He can protect you and pull you out of it. And to my great surprise, He said, that may be it. Yeah, I want to know more about this. So, so you know, I, I told him a little bit about it. And he said, that's really odd. He said, I I, um, I had a scan of my brains, because he has also MS in his brain. And he said, please come in. Um, and he said, while I was there, waiting for the scan to finish, he said, I had felt I had to pray. But I don't really know to what. But I started praying. And um, after he finished his prayer, uh, the specialist who was looking at the scan said that while he was being scanned, the places of deformity in his brains of MS reduced from about 5 to 2. And, uh, and the, the medics had no idea. And this guy didn't even know he was praying to God. So it was only after he had the conversation with me that he said, that must be the God I was praying to. And for me this was a sign which I think is important to all of us, that God doesn't actually need us. God started his work in this person before the person even knew me. And so I am not like the hero in this story. Anyway, um, after, so we met, this was only a conversation of half an hour in which he talked for 90% and I talked for 10%. Um, and we met up every few weeks just for half an hour uh, and, and over the course of uh, the, the period of about three months he actually became Christian he went to his parents talked through all the issues of the past and began to love them again he uh, managed to, to uh, kind of reconstruct his marriage he started going to a local church all of a sudden he sent me an app he said oh I've gone to church it was great I looked up the church on the internet, and I thought, geez, that must be quite a boring church. But anyway, he loved it. <laughs> and he would come with all types of questions from the, uh, from the sermon and, and ask me uh, what that meant. And, yeah, the, the supervisor that he had a really difficult discussion with, he went to this guy and talked through his, his, his issues. He said, yeah, he had a conversation like, well, I struggled with the way we had that conversation then and then, and then we rediscuss it, and, and also that relationship was healed. He even went so far that he went to see a specialist in the hospital to tell this specialist that everybody who has MS should know about the gospel because it's far better than any medicine. <laughs> So I, I, I was um, 
really moved by this because his courage to preach the gospel was far larger than mine because I'm born a Christian. And, and this guy is only one of, of quite a group of people who've, who've come to Christ uh, through just, you know, talks over lunch breaks in the office or these supposedly mentor talks. One, one girl, um, I went to have lunch with her. She's uh, Chinese with a really strong work ethic. And um, yeah, at this moment, um, a lot of people will need to reapply for their work. It's all a little bit, uh, um, yeah, di- quite difficult for a lot of people. So they're a bit insecure whether people will keep their job or not. And she's just in the early stages of her career and she's also struggling in her marriage where to a Dutch person and she's noticing a lot of culture change. And, and she's a real thinker. And she said, I cannot help but think and think. And I come to the conclusion that there's really not much in life that can hold, that can stand even a marriage. She said, what is a marriage worth? And yeah, I've always been taught that I should live and work for my work, but I don't even know if I'm going to keep my job. And yeah, I thought, I don't have the answer, except that I said to her, look, my reason for life is indeed not my work. It's not being a mother. It's not my position as a wife. They all fall into place because um, my uh, value in life, the reason why it's worth living is because I live for God. And then one dimension lower is... Uh, my my role as a wife, uh, at work, as a mother. And um, she looked at me and she said, why has never anybody told me this before? You might be right. She said, I want to know more. How do I find this person? How do I find this God? And so she's not become a Christian yet, but she is reading about it. And we had a lot of conversations. We invited them over for dinner. A lot of conversations about God. She's very much a thinker, so she, she knows. She said to me last time we met, she said, you know, I think the only thing which is still missing with me is that I just now need to make this leap of faith. But I understand it, but I just need to let go. And I said, well, you know what to do. <laughs> Tell me when you're ready and I'll support you. And yeah, there's, there's, there's many of these, uh, these openings that I've had. And I... I seriously believe that this is not because I'm some type of Christian superhero who goes through the office in a superhero suit and, and, and that is because I'm so fantastic. I believe that every single one of us, whether it's paid work, voluntary work, whether you're uh, a stay-at-home parent and you interact with your neighbors, we're all called to proclaim the gospel, not only through talking, but also through living. We have to be role models of, of what what we believe. In fact, if you really think about it, being a Christian is not about going to these conferences. It's not even about sitting here in the seminar. It is about what you're going to do on Monday or Tuesday when you're back in your normal life. How are you going to be this salt and this light? And... Yeah, the other part of our life, which I want to share with you, is that we have, like half a kilometer away from us, we have a refugee center with about 500 refugees. The majority uh, are Syrian and also a large group of Eritreans. And my husband and I, Jonathan and I, we worked in various African countries and we really feel called to the nations. And actually, before this refugee center opened, we were uh, slightly bored in our area because it was so 
homogeneous. So I believe God actually gave us this refugee center as a blessing. And, and we may in some way almost need them more than they need us. But um, we, we, uh, we, we thought about we really need to do something for these people because a lot of the people, they do get like the basics and there's some organizations that help them. But what they really, really want is just some friendship, just some relationship, just somebody who shows them how to find a dentist, how, when you get your own house. How on earth are you supposed to put the laminate on the floor when you've never seen that before? And, and all these types of uh, just practical questions. Where, where is this second-hand shop? Um, so that they don't uh, have to buy the super new expensive TV instead. And um, we found out that um, there were quite a few other people in the area, both Christians and non-Christians, that had the same drive to do something. So we decided to set up a network. Um, and uh, in our, our relational mission church, there weren't enough people to support the network. So we thought, let's do this wider. So we set up a network uh, of people of all types of churches and also non-Christians. Um, and, and the group is now over 100 people who are involved. Uh, last Saturday, um, every now and then, we organize parties. And it's not about parties, but at these parties we want the neighbors and the refugees to meet each other so they share contact details and that they meet up outside of these uh, parties so that you, you get like buddies or friendships and uh, last Saturday we had an amazing party with about 200 refugees and uh, 50 uh, local people and uh, somebody had uh, brought a sound system and uh, yeah, we, uh, we had uh, uh, the Syrian guys do their traditional dances. We had the Syrian singing. Um, I think we uh, uh, fried about 12 bags of fries. And uh, we had uh, 100 drumsticks and they all disappeared in 10 minutes. Halal, by the way. And it, it was so beautiful and it really was like heaven on earth. And, and so many people hugged us and kissed us when they left because... Yeah, we were able to create a connection. For uh, we were able to create, uh, yeah, somewhere where refugees could feel normal. But also, I think equally, it was a blessing to those from the neighborhood to 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 be able to meet people from different cultures. And what I found really remarkable is that when I look at uh, the people at work who are, especially with the higher job grades, job groups who are higher in the organization, like the, the, the rich in a way and the, the powerful and uh, the successful. Um, when I talk about the refugee parties at work, that's what interests them. They're not bothered about going to church. But what they find really interesting is, so why do you do these parties? So I, I said to them, look, We've been talking all along with our leadership trainings about that we have to do more than just normal. We have to step out. We have to create change. I said, I'm doing that in my private life too, because I believe it is not good to live in separate worlds, refugees and Dutch people, that we're called to help them to integrate. And what I find absolutely surprising is that there is a growing group at work um, who are really interested to join in with these parties and to, or, or just to meet refugees and, and, you know, have them over for dinner or, or vice versa, go for dinner in the refugee center. Um, because I think a lot of people in influential positions still have this sense of I've got to do something with my conscience. I've got, to, but they have no idea how. 
So I think uh, us as Christians, we are called to connect the two groups. And basically when you have these type of parties or whichever other way you want to do it, that is church, but they don't know it. These people you will not get into church or not unlikely. But if you can connect, let's say the rich and the poor, you will have some heaven on earth and you will create church and you will be able to reach to the very rich and the very poor. So I think, in a summary, I think it is really, we can connect to people and proclaim them the gospel, like the examples I gave, but we can also really change culture. Because I've, I've had now a few times people say at work to me, I don't know, but your team, you know, the team you lead, they are special. They don't, they don't seem to get into too many fights and they're really collaborative and they, they really get stuff done and, um, yeah, and, and it sometimes ripples even further than just my direct team and I think, yeah, but that's, that's because, because God is working through, even through the team and wider. So I've also had a few sessions with my team, um, and I showed some clips of management uh, consultants. Uh, this was Simon Sinek. Anyway, it's interesting to look at the uh, golden circles, he's called them. And he, this guy hammers on that you have to think about the why. That is not so important, the what and the how, but it's really important is the why. So I discussed with the group, I said, I think all of you have to think about the why. Because that's what's really going to drive you long term at work. And I said, look, my why is that I'm a Christian and I want to show this through the way I interact with you guys, even with people who are difficult around. And I want to really create value for the company. And you can hold me accountable, but I also want all of you to think of why you're doing this. And, and I want us as a team, whether you're a Christian or not, unimportant in this sense, I want you, we have to make the difference in this company. And yeah, over the next few months I could really see people in my team grow and, and indeed become this light. And they did hold me accountable when I was gossiping. They said, ah, I thought you said that you weren't going to do this. <sighs> so, so I would like to say, you know, I think we can, even if we were very few Christians, we can really make that difference and kind of create a ripple effect. And um, yeah, I would also like to say pray, pray, pray while you're doing it because it's so easy to think that you have to do it out of your own strength but it is God who will use each one of us so we're going to um, after Simon introduces himself we're going to be practicing this with a few case studies which are uh, uh, from my own life <laughs> so we'll see if you find them interesting uh, because I would like you at the end of this day to walk out with a fairly good practical idea of what you're going to do when you get out of here. But um, I'd first like to get Simon to introduce himself to. Hello, uh, so Nolda asked me just to come and share a bit of my story as well. I think from the last few days it's really good to see some application of gospel in different settings. and. Um, I'm also passionate about seeing people expressing their faith in, in the workplace or wherever they are. I'm a firm believer that God wants to prosper us and to take us to places where there is no church or to people that would never step into a church. And uh, I personally love my job because it takes me to places where I know that no other Christians generally are. 
Um, I often work in, you know, with executives in Canary Wharf in the big city banks with investment bankers, and uh, I know that often I'm the face of Christianity for them, and there's very little other experience for a lot of people. So I'm I'm very passionate about seeing people um, encouraged and built up to be able to go out into whatever worlds that you're in. Um, because that's how the gospel is spread to, to the ends of the earth and to, you know, to the highs and the lows of society. Um, a little bit about me, I um, live in Frankfurt. I moved a year and a half ago to uh, plant a church there with my family. My wife is German from the area. Uh, I was uh, an elder with Steph at uh, Revelation Church. Uh, <laughs> um, I lived in London for 17 years. Uh, we moved with our three young children. We've got three boys. Um, I also run my own business as well as church planting and, and raising a small family. So uh, I, I also just want to encourage you to uh, to not um, put off uh, things because you think, well, I'm waiting for the most opportune time or resources because uh, God's really shown me that with whatever you have, you can you can do an awful lot. Um, but I just want to tell you a little bit of my story, particularly around business. Uh, that hopefully will encourage you, and just to share a few examples of how I've seen God open up the doors. Um, So, um, as I said, I run my own business at the moment. I have done for the last six years. Um, It it started off because the last company I worked in, um, it wasn't my industry at all. In fact, I've had a very um, mixed career path, not not very linear. And um, in my last company, um, I started off at basically the lowest position you could do. Um, it was a temporary position. I found the job on Gumtree, if any of you have heard of that. It's like, it's the most non-executive place to find a job you could ever imagine. It's, it's equivalent of just like a notice in a supermarket kind of thing. And um, it was um, an admin position, uh, a temporary job covering someone who's on maternity leave. And at the time, I really didn't have a clue what to do uh, with my career. And um, I, I just got married and I needed to have a bit of a proper job. And um, for some reason, I, I, I looked into this and thought there's something in that. Me and my wife really believed that that was a, a good thing to do. Uh, I took this job in a company I knew nothing about. Um, but to cut a long story short, I, I was working directly for uh, the managing director of the company as their kind of uh, assistant, really. Um, it was it was very much a bit of a Joseph story. This uh, the, the lady who I was working for, I had to organise her private life and her business life as well. Everything from arranging her house uh, sale through to helping her with the organisation. But uh, she she. Um, God used her to really show a lot of favour, and in six years I went from the bottom of the company to almost the top. Um, I ended up two years running, being voted the top employee of the organisation. Um, I was one year, they said to me, um, as a recognition of how much we value you, you can choose anywhere in the world to go, we're going to pay for you and your family to go. And, uh, you know, just incredible. In, in that time, literally, I, ha- I had zero qualifications in, in, in what that company was about, but God just raised me up through this place, which was incredible in itself. Um, and, and at that point, I then uh, felt that it was time to step up my own. I felt God encouraging me to start up my own business. Um, there was a little hiccup in the, in the story, because I actually left with some other people from the company to start up. Um, and it, it didn't go so well, and um, for various reasons, I ended up having to use all of our own family savings to support ourselves over the next year. 
the company that I thought I'd joined didn't, didn't work out and uh, we kind of hit rock bottom and my, my desires uh, for starting my own company were, were, were not really very apparent. Uh, so I decided to step out of that. So I was, I was temporarily unemployed. We had zero savings. And at the time, um, we were trying for a, a family and my wife had a miscarriage. So it was like the most desperate time we could have. Um, but I felt God saying to step out and start my own business. And I sat down, I remember I was in the Starbucks. And I thought, well, where, where do I start? Because because of my contractual restrictions for my previous company, I, I, could, I had five people that I could um, contact to try and get some work. And um, I know from marketing statistics that um, on average, if you, you know, if you, if you write perhaps to 100 companies, you might get 5% return. So I was thinking, well, if I've got five people I can write to, then um, that, that's, that's, that's pretty dismal in terms of a start for a company. But um, I wrote to these five people, I got my first response in under half an hour offering me work and uh, over the next day all five people came back to me and I have to say that those five companies have remained with me for six years now. Um, one lady, I, I, I was sitting there and I thought, God was giving me this name of another company who I'd worked with years and years ago and um, I thought well I don't have any contact with them, I have no association with this company anymore but I thought God saying no call that person and um, I called the company and that the person I'd worked with for didn't work there anyway. But this lady answered the phone and I said, you don't know me, I used to work with this company. Um, I was a consultant there. And um, I said, I'm, I was just interested to, you know, if there's any work I can get involved with. And she, she asked what project I'd done. And she said, she said, I think you must be an angel. And I said, what? And she's like, I've just taken on this job. Um, the current supplier has just dropped out and left me in trouble. I've got to deliver this next week, and I've, I've known nothing about it. And I've been working on this years before, and she said, I think God sent you. <laughs> and, I, and she said, can you do it next week? And so uh, I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> Um, and uh, I've, I've seen incredible uh, favour really throughout the last 10 years of God just promoting me, um, not for my own gain or because of my own expertise, in fact I've got still zero qualifications in what I currently find myself doing, but um, it's allowed me to be in places that I, that's enabled me to share the gospel, it's um, enabled me financially to support my church. Uh, to support my family, to be able to bless many other people, and um, I really see God's hand in it. I wanted to just give a, a couple of um, examples of people in the workplace that I've spoken to. So one lady I work with um, in, a, in a bank, um, often in my world that's often around financial services, you think these are the people that are quite cold and most uh, unreceptive to the gospel, um, they can appear quite intimidating. But one lady I've been working with now for seven years, I've been gradually just sharing bits with her over time, um, until one day after a workshop she came to me and said, um, I know you're Christian, can you pray with me about something? And she, you know, she talked to me about something in her life. Um, I then discovered that um, she's, by her own... Um, um, on her own, own initiative, she'd signed up to an Alpha course at a church near her house. She's since become a Christian. And um, it was just because she, she watched how I was with people and she said, you know, you're, you're different in that I can tell you, you genuinely want, want the best for these people. You genuinely want to, to help them. And you're not like trying to get the better of people all of the time. And she said, just purely by watching how I operate in the workplace, that was enough for her to say what, what's going on. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was um, 
working on another project with with someone. And um, again, we'd had a coffee just before um, we were going to pitch for some work, um, and um, I'd shared a little bit with her about why I'd moved to Germany. It's often, it's a good for me because I would get an opportunity to share quite a lot because people say, why why didn't you just move countries? Um, and I shared with her and. Um, we were just about to start this pitch and the, the panel from the company were about to come in and she just turned to me and she's like, can you pray? We've got 30 seconds. Uh, she's not pushing at all, but she was like, we need, we need all the help we can get for this. Like, can you pray? And I was praying as the, as the panel walked in and I had to just quickly wrap up this prayer very quickly. But, um, you know, just little things like that. I've seen lots of people just look for, um, yeah, just, just such interest. Um, I, I also think one thing I've, I've realised over time is that we all we all look to think how how is God equipped us, gifted us in a church setting, and um, I found that uh, as as someone in my example, I'm a pastor of a church and I want to uh, plant a church in Frankfurt, but equally God's called me to be a pastor in the workplace, and however He's gifted me in church, He's gifted me to do so. Um, where I work, when I pick my kids up from school, I'm called to be a pastor to the parents, I'm called to be a pastor to my colleagues, I'm called to be a pastor to the DHL man who comes and delivers my packages. And I've kind of, over time, taken down these, I think what can be sometimes boundaries that we put up to think like in the church setting with this, and then, you know, you're different, different in, your, in the rest of the world on you know, Monday to Saturday. But increasingly I see that how God uses me in the church, yet He's gifted me that from, from my life. And if we can all just think about, over the course of our week, who, who are all the people that we actually come in contact with in the various settings? And, I, you know, whether it is... We've, we've, we've been shown with our you know, postman who comes regularly. It was brilliant. You know there's enough prayer cards that have been um, going out. Well, we, one time they were, they were praying for Frankfurt and our post lady, we had over a hundred of these postcards coming. So our post lady at some point wanted to know what these were all about. You know, so literally if you think, you know, in your week all the people that you come into contact with um, and just be looking out for those opportunities. That's, that's our passion really, to see um, you being able to share your faith um, in, in every single setting and, um, and believing that God will honour that. And um, what we're going to do next is just to think about some particular context for you to imagine, okay, as a Christian now, what, what does this mean and what, how does my faith impact my decision making and my actions in some particular setting? So I'm going to hand back to Nola just to talk you through this. Yes, okay. I have to say, it's very inspiring what you say. I, I have new ideas already <laughs> what I'm going to try out in the workplace. And I think it is very important to also see this as like a testing ground. You know, you have, most of the time you're really going to be unsure about what you're doing. But I would say just take a risk and try it out and see what happens. The worst that can happen, if you, for instance, propose to pray with somebody or, or when you talk about your faith, is that the person says, it's not for me. Or sorry, no thanks. Whatever. So... That's not the end of the world. You're still alive and you just try it again. But yeah, I really enjoyed what you said. Um, yes, we're going to be going through a few case studies. I think we need to be in groups of four, right, yeah. Simon? Okay, he's going to do the counting. And math, I'll do the talking. Yeah. I'm actually an engineer, so I can count too, but I'll leave it to Simon this time. 
Uh, there are five case studies, and uh, to keep the time a bit shorter, we're going to tell you which case study you're going to do in your group. Uh, if you look through the case study and think this one's really not for us, then feel free to choose uh, another one. But we just want to reduce the time of reading through the whole sheet or have a lengthy discussion on the choice. Uh, we'd rather like you to really go into the depth of it. So all these case studies are going to be ethical dilemmas uh, about how you as a Christian are going to live it in the workplace. And um, the idea is within your group that you're going to write down uh, some of your thoughts. And uh, maybe not all the groups, but some of the groups will get a bit of time to uh, feedback what your thoughts are. There is no right or wrong. The only wrong answer is if you just write on your flip chart yes or no. <laughs> it really is about the thought process. Because I think all of us are going to encounter, when you really step out, you're going to encounter a lot of difficult situations where it's not clear-cut what you should do as a Christian. So this is just to warm up your brain for reality. The first one is, uh, you uh, have come up with this brilliant idea, you worked it up with a colleague, and he then starts to kind of market it like it is his own, and you're completely left out and you get none of the glory. So how are you going to react to this? Uh, the other one is, uh, your boss is a Christian, he uh, even preaches every now and then, but in the workplace he's completely different, and everything he said, you tell him, or all the work you show to him is, is always bad, and he, you feel he's, he's almost has a personal thing against you. How do you react to this in a Christian way? Uh, the third one, number C, is a very interesting one. Uh, you're a team lead. Your team uh, has a shortage of money or your company is, uh, needs to re reduce its operating expenditure. You've got this contractor in your uh, team. Uh, he's really well respected by all the others. He's a bit older, like a father figure, has uh, lots of kids at home and is the breadwinner. Now the question is, uh, should you lay him off or not? Uh, the, the fourth one is um, you're working with refugees you've re befriended a family uh, you have uh, become part, yeah, they've adopted you you've become either their brother or sister as a result they show up at the most inconvenient times at your house <laughs> and uh, you know that serving has to cost something but you also hear at work that it's important to set your personal boundaries so what are you going to do? The fifth one is your supervisor. Somebody's continuously getting into fights. Uh, you want to sit down with him to discuss his attitude, his perspective, but it doesn't really go that well. And how do you be an ambassador of God in that situation? Uh, so by now you've done the calcs? Yeah, well we've got five case studies, so we could go on five tables. Okay. Yeah, and actually uh, this may be... Uh, somewhat uh, exciting or, or uh, if, if possible can you all rearrange so that you're sitting on a table with as few people you know as possible so this means standing up and moving around and then make sure you yeah and the best is if you try to sit around and flip charts so, so there's a table here. 
to do uh, a double one. Double one. Yeah. Yeah. From those, are you going to tell them which one? Yeah, that's good. Give me a table of one. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. 
there and she's come all the way from Sheffield to driving all the way back to Sheffield. So she needed to make a lot She was thinking of all the different houses you see on the way there. There's a lot of housing appointments. Right, Ginny is. Oh, yes, I know. Right, right. Very democratic woman. Yeah, very
There's a break after this, and uh, I think if you feel you want to discuss this further, I would say go out for dinner as in these groups or find a way to, to finish the discussion. Uh, also, Simon and I, I will discuss it at the end, would really like some feedback if it was helpful, yes or no, and we'd like to hear some testimonies uh, if, if you actually tried it out, whether it helped, yes or no. And we can maybe put it on here or so. Oh, yeah. The Bibles are good for the old testimonies. And also, if you want to use these case studies in your small group, gospel groups, or whatever, uh, if you email me, I'll email it to, back to you. Uh, now, I'd like to give an opportunity for two groups. We don't can, can't do all the groups, but two groups to just share a little bit of uh, what their discussion was about. So I'm uh, just looking for a volunteer here. Volunteers? Okay. Somebody's been voluntold, I think. We're having a recording here, so... <coughs> so, yeah, please share with us. Oh, shall I go into this, yeah? Okay, so all of us being... Someone else has taken credit for what you've done. I'm not giving you any credit whatsoever. And we think it's unjust. What do we do? So immediately we identified the kind of obvious answer. You know, kind of, oh, it's all right. It's not God's glory, not mine. Um, I can just want to go. And we wanted, to, well, I think what we wanted to do was kind of take into account maybe a bit more of a nuanced view than that. Not just something that was a bit wet and a bit passive and a bit kind of just laid back, but actually kind of um, more intentional. Uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing what everyone said, so I hope you're okay with this. Um, yeah, so we thought about a few things. We thought about kind of who, who has God made me and what's my kind of temperament and how do I use that in a way that is like listening to the Spirit uh, in the way that God's like made me rather than trying to kind of be someone else. So like personally, I'm quite... Uh, assertive <laughs> and tenacious and I care about like justice and actually there, there might be a place for that in this situation you know this kind of thing might happen to lots of other people and it might might be us kind of improve the lives for others by speaking up but as long as it's from a place of not caring about my own hurt my own reputation but um, doing it out of like love for that person and for everyone else so um Another way of uh, thinking about it might be actually you might feel it's right to uh, actually be more passive, but not just being passive, but kind of more intentionally just waiting for God to maybe speak to your boss or whoever um, so that you don't have to kind of push yourself forward, but you're like trusting God to raise you up at the right time. What else do we say? I would say we should, you should consider the culture you're in. So in the Netherlands, where you'll communicate quite directly, it might be a bit more acceptable. <laughs> but other not. Oh yeah, confronting the person as well, going to speak to them directly, um, with I guess getting the heart right first, so that you're compassionate and maybe able to see through what's really going on. They're probably doing it because they're 
something else going on. So confronting them, but with the right heart. Um, and always checking your heart, like, am I responding from hurt or from kind of peace and security in God? Um, and I think the, the risk with being passive, I hope I'm not going on too long, is that actually it can mean that if you hold on to it, then it can grow bitterness and it can, can become easy the next time to maybe overcompensate, like, like they've done something wrong to you, so you kind of have your back up immediately next time and actually staying soft and like staying um, kind of open to them is like really important as well. So, yeah, we didn't want it just to be the straightforward answer, but I've gone a little bit too long. <laughs> really good. Yeah, so I think it's very good what you said, basically. As a Christian, we're not called to be doormats. And, uh, but we do have to, uh, yeah, and, and I think this is a really good lesson, but we do have to, I think, take uh, a viewpoint which is a little bit higher than, than probably the average person and see, yeah, where, where, why is this person reacting like this? Is this, is he, she insecure? And uh, yeah, I did indeed have a discussion with this person, but I also thought, okay, I'll just take my own initiative and started presenting what we did. So that I just, instead of getting angry at him, I thought, well, I'll just make a bit more of an effort myself. And then I said, do you want to join in? So, um, yeah, well done. You got a lot out of it. Uh, is there another group who would like to take the challenge of uh, discussing what uh, what it was about? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, okay. I see two. If you don't take too much time, then we can do three. Uh, he is a real servant. Let's give him an applause. So our example was of um, so we were a family who had a lovely refugee family lovingly come into our lives, and we're going to name the single mum Tracy with her five kids. Even that's not you know it's Tracy. Names Tracy. Um, the main thing was around serving and putting up loving boundaries. And I think, um, you know, there's, when you've got a family that's come into your life, something of what we should be showing as families is that love for them and the fact that we integrate other people into our families as Christians. At the same time, we've still got our kind of our kids and our actual household to take care of. And I think it's just trying to establish those loving boundaries with them to say, okay, perhaps we can um, arrange some times when you can come over. Because it's a very British thing that you invite people over at a set time on a set day. But say from another culture, it could be that um, they just pop over any time because that's what family does, which is wonderful and it's, it's great. But it's kind of trying to find that, that balance. And I think also as well, um, I think you shared that it's about sharing that with other members of the church, not taking it on, that, not taking Tracy and her five kids on yourself, but saying, you know, make sure that they can meet with other people in that church community and that they can get a, a huge family, not just one family, but they can get many families. So establishing those boundaries, maybe setting some times where they can come over or you can go over to visit them, and making sure you take into account their culture and how they do things and how they receive love. And also having discussions with your own family, maybe talking with your own kids and saying, how do you feel about so-and-so coming over? Do you get along? Is it something that you're okay with? And explaining to your own family that this is what we do. We open our door, we open our household. This is what we do as Christians. And these are your brothers and sisters. And we take that 
very literally sometimes, you know. Um, and I think also the final thing that Paul said was about prayer. And, you know, everyone's capacity is different. For someone's capacity, they can take on tracing her kids and it's not a problem in terms of their own, their own thing that they've got going on. But for some, actually, we have a small capacity and it's just asking God to reward them in that and saying, you know, what can I do and how much can I do and can you honour the little, the big or the medium that we can do to kind of make sure we're really reflecting God's heart. Um, but the main thing is, is that um, this is a good thing and we should totally be opening up our doors um, to, yeah, to many other people. Some time for Q&A and then I'll give some final uh, uh, inspirational <laughs> talk. <laughs> anyway, are there people who, based either on their case studies or on the testimonies of uh, Simon and me, want to ask anything or... Oh, lots of people. Okay. Well, we need to take that from you. Oh, yeah. oh the logistics. Um, my question is actually about our case study. Is this a case? Study, is this something that you've been through? Uh, for all of them. All of them. Yeah. Okay. So with E, the one about being a supervisor yeah. in God's, how did you deal with that? Just because it, I feel like it's quite nuanced, and especially being in a workplace environment. There's some things you can do that you can't do. Yeah. So it'd be nice to talk to you. So number E was of the employee who uh, his attitude is not right. He has lots of fights. So uh, um, what happened? I I had a discussion with him and I said, look, you have to uh, sort out your attitude. You need to show leadership behavior. You need to, and I knew he was Catholic. I said, you need to live your life also as a Christian and, and be able to forgive people, not get angry so quickly. And uh, I said, you need to give others the opportunity to grow. So don't try to get take all the glory to yourself. Um, and I think it went, was combined with him with a lot of stress. So he went to the, uh, the medic. And basically, he then said to the medic, uh, my, my supervisor is making me super stressed. And she doesn't appreciate my work. As a result, he was sent home full time for about a month and uh, part-time for a few months after that, and I got quite angry letters from the uh, medic that uh, I I had put too much stress on him. So uh, there wasn't a lot I could do at that moment in time, because I was also told I should not get in touch with him. Um, But as soon as he... I did send him an app at some point, I said, I'm really ready to talk with you whenever you're ready, but I won't won't bother you until you're ready. And then when he uh, came back, uh, I think we talked for a few hours to just uh, get it right and we talked a lot about forgiveness and I apologized, I said look I've probably been too Dutch I probably said everything that I had on my heart all in one go, whether I should have probably uh, been a bit more loving in the way I, I pointed out uh, that your perspective, your attitude was not correct, I should have probably softened it down more than I did and I apologize for that and he is actually now uh, he, his family are now friends of our family so it really worked uh, worked out well but it was very tough yeah. uh, also for me personally because I really struggled at that moment in time I thought I want to be an ambassador of God and here I have somebody who is at home with a burnout and I could well be the cause of it 
So I, just, I think this example shows that when you want to step out and be a Christian and you want to help other people grow through sometimes confronting difficult things, it doesn't necessarily mean success guaranteed instantly. Sometimes it's a process you need to go through that can be quite tough with the other person. Yeah, uh, there were more questions. Um, I don't know if you want to look at the bad things, but I, I wondered if you had any um, uh, insights about opposition, particularly when you're in a health management responsibilities for people and have that delegated responsibility to then um, talk to people about God from that position, I, I think can be tricky. Yeah, so I think one of the bridges I find works is that uh, what is very fashionable at this moment in time in leadership uh, training is that you have to find your personal values. So, um, and I, I, I cannot detach personal values from my faith. So then when somebody, when, like I had a leadership training recently and I was asked to tell the group about my personal values and I said, uh, my personal values intrinsically are connected to my faith in God. And I explained a little bit to the group what that meant. Um, and, but I kept it personal, like this is my my thing. Uh, people can do with it whatever they want. Uh, and then there was at the end of this exercise the opportunity to uh, give feedback. Everybody got a flip chart, and you could put a feedback on each other's flip chart. And I had quite a few people right on there. That was terrible. Keep your faith out of leadership uh, trainings. Um, but there were also people thought that was, who said that was really authentic. And I even had one guy who was so upset about that I had talked about my faith during the exercise that he even came to tell me, and he was this really big guy who stood really close. Um, but, you know, afterwards I thought it has stirred something up in him. So sometimes a negative reaction is not necessarily a bad thing. And the other thing which I always think, you know, when I talk in one-to-one discussions with another person about my faith, like this this guy that I told you about, the first example, I think uh, because he got to know God, he didn't commit suicide and he didn't get a burnout. So the way I see it is I've actually saved the company huge amounts of money by this person becoming a Christian. So I've not actually asked permission anywhere to talk to him about God, but I think if anybody ever finds out, then I will use that as an argument. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody else? Just a question about being salty. So, um, in my workplace, it's weird because in the NHS, there's all these buzzwords like equality, inclusivity. So, the workplace, my workplace is actually very almost ethical, and people don't gossip, people respect the dignity of patients, all those sorts of things. But I was just thinking about, I was reflecting on my workplace and thinking, being salty looks. I was thinking, how, how am I salty in the workplace? Because often, actually, the values that everyone has are kind of similar to Christian values <laughs> in a weird way. So I was kind of like thinking, how am I salty? Is it that I'm meant to maybe just have opportunities to, ex- to explain my motivation behind my type of saltiness that might look similar to theirs, but it comes from a different motivation? But I was just thinking about that. Because, yeah, my workplace is very... Moral, in a way. Um, yeah, I just wanted to yeah, yeah. thoughts on that. Does that make sense? Uh, I think that that certainly makes sense because I work with a lot of Muslims or, or non-believers in anything who, through the way they live, they're 
I think, good as any Christian I know. So uh, it's sometimes really difficult to make a difference through really what we do. But uh, w- one of the things which I try to do is really look at the people around. So if I see anybody struggle, I say, look, let's, let's just have uh, lunch together. Do you want to just uh, have a chat because I feel you need it? So make a little bit of the extra effort and look at the individual. The other thing which uh, my husband and I do regularly is we invite uh, colleagues over for barbecues or dinners or whatever. So we make a deliberate effort to uh, include people from work in in our private life, um, which people find really odd to start with. And we always say, take your partner along with your kids, because as soon as you invite families and they see us as a family, it, it, it breaks down barriers. And, and then, yeah, you know, sometimes we don't get to talk about our faith, sometimes, faith, sometimes we do. But those type of small things, I find, is what makes people wonder, like, why on earth does she do that? And, and then they tell each other, and then I had people say, I know I'm not in your team, but next time you have a barbecue, do you mind inviting us too? <laughs> And um, I would also say it starts, everything starts with prayer. And uh, if you feel you don't get enough opportunities, pray. And I think your eyes will be opened and you will get ample opportunities. Anybody else? Uh, I guess part, part A, part B. What happens like, when you really blow it as a witness? Like, how do you... Because I find this also I'm free. When you spend 12 hours a day somewhere, it's quite hard sometimes to, um, well, it's impossible to be perfect. Um, that's part A. And then part B, do you think there's ever a, like, how do you think about uh, people whose lives are a bit more, like, complicated? So, recently, uh, I had a boss who was, um, gay and married to a man and about to have surrogate children via a woman in the US who's going to have the babies for them and uh, I chose not to tell him I was a Christian for like about eight months because I wanted him to kind of trust me as a friend first and then he was super surprised when I told him I was a Christian um, yeah what, have you got any thoughts about kind of both those things well done for the question <laughs> first of all I screw up all the time <laughs> But what I do is um, I ask repentance from God and I've had various times that I went up to uh, a person, I got really defensive in a meeting at some point and I also, what I said, bordered on uh, gossip. Um, and so I, I really was really upset with myself for doing it. So I went through to every single person in that meeting, in separate meetings, and I said to them, look, uh, my attitude was wrong. I'm a Christian, and as a Christian I should have certainly not had this behavior because it goes totally against my v- uh, values. And uh, people really respected that I made the effort to just apologize for my behavior in that meeting. And uh, with all those people, their respect for me actually went up because I was uh, willing to just say that I I really was sorry for my behavior and that I wanted to just voice it to them. And I said to them, look, you don't have to do anything, but I feel I should just say this to you uh, because it wasn't right what I did. That's question one. Question two, uh, I think as a Christian, we are first of all asked to love our neighbor, regardless of the situation they're in. And I think we make a difference through loving our neighbor, our colleague, uh, even though uh, the, the things they do may be totally against what, what we would do as a Christian. And I think um, the love is what would, yeah, what's going to make them tick or think that, realize that, hey, this, this woman has something, uh, something special. Uh, if, 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 if God will make them a Christian, 
then uh, he will be the one that will convict them of things which are not biblical. But I think it is not our task to, especially not in the first conversations, to start pointing out what is right and what is wrong. Uh, I've got an uh, elder here sitting next to me uh, from our local church. Maybe Jan, do you want to add something uh, to this? Yeah, well, okay. Uh, it's also what I said in our group. It's it's very uh, yeah, essential that you ask for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, yeah. the discernment of the Holy Spirit, because the case we had, for example, why is the person reacting that way? God knows why, why, why it is done. And I think that helps a lot. And you cannot explain it to other people. Well, I pray to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you don't hear the, the Holy Spirit in, in the right way. Of course, you have, we, we are not uh, perfect. But I think that's, that's very, very good always to think about yeah. the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Are you going to wrap up now? Yes. Okay. I wanted to read to you. Look upon my iPad. I don't think I have a lot extra to say as wrap up, except for that I really truly believe, and I think Simon and Julia would say the same, that every one of us here in this room is fully equipped <coughs> to come to, to, to step out in the workplace or with refugees or with your neighbors, whatever. And, and be an ambassador for God. I think we are the frontline fighters. And, you know, we may be, like in Simon's case, but I've also had on various occasions, the only face, the only person, the only Christian that they're ever going to meet. And, and if you or I are not the, per, per, the person who are going to talk about the gospel or live it, there, there may be nobody. Uh, I just want to give a small anecdote. I've got a son of nine. He's a very intense little boy. And he sees everything black and white. And one day I was going to go to work and I was packing my lunch and he said, are you going to go to work? Yeah, I said, I am. What are you going to do today? Well, I said, I've got meetings and that type of stuff. He said, you should remember to tell about God because the people you meet at work may never hear it from somebody else. (laughs) 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 It still almost uh, gives me tears because I thought, here is my nine-year-old giving me the gospel. (laughs) And I, uh, yeah, I I felt, I felt that was God using him. And I think that comes for all of us, you know, if we don't say it, maybe some there might be nobody else. We have we have a very important task in this life. And don't underestimate how God can use you. Because it is not about our own strength. It is not about our intellect. It is not about our wise words. It is not about the amount of theological books we have read. It is about... I mean, every one of us, I, I know, has a genuine faith. And all we need to do is share our faith. Share the love of Christ. And, and that will work miracles. And pray... And I'd like to also encourage you, you know, do it together. I think reach, speaking out in the workplace or anywhere, any of the battlefields that we have, it is something you need to do together. So I'd like to uh, ask you to, to, to share uh, email addresses, Twitter accounts or whatever uh, with people you feel connected to, either in this group or, or at home, uh, and, and have like feedback sessions every now and then or find at least one or two people you can discuss what you've gone through. Um, because you're really so much stronger with two or three than you are on your own. And it is tough, because, you know, you will find lots of opposition. It's not all glory. And if you want to go through through this ultra-marathon, and it is an ultra-marathon, you need support. So don't try to do it on your own. 
and use, for instance, this opportunity here uh, and in the dinner time to connect to some people and keep up that that uh, kind of relationship. Um, Edward Buria had this wonderful Bible text in his talk, which I just want to repeat. And this is from Romans 1, verse 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for, for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek, and to the people at work and to the refugees and any culture you meet. For it is the righteousness of God, for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. Amen. So um, the time is up, but uh, for those who still have a few minutes, I would like to invite you to just spend a little bit of time with the people in your group to maybe pray through the individual challenges that you're going to be seeing when you put this into practice. So yeah, I would just invite you to just pray for each other. And thanks very much for coming. We'd like to uh, receive personal testimonies. We'd also like to receive any type of feedback. And uh, yeah, if, if anybody really feels that either Julia, Simon, or I should pray for you, please you just come to the front and uh, yeah, also pray for each other. And thanks very much.